My name is Nick Flower, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specializes in behavior therapy. And I'm Lauren McLean, and I am a therapist who specializes in behavioral therapy as well. Welcome to Psychologically Incorrect. This is a podcast about real life through the lens of behavioral psychology and applying the lessons of clinical psychology into everyday issues. mid-October. The leaves are falling. It's getting colder. The days are getting shorter. And soon, we'll turn back the clocks. We do this every year, and now it's time for it again. How does this affect our mental health? What's good and what's not so good about the shorter days and with the practice of turning back the clocks and, of course, bringing them forward in the springtime? Today, we'll get into that on on Psychologically Incorrect. Hi, Lauren. Hey. So we're talking about this, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, and we're going to, I don't know about you, but when I think about daylight savings and, you know, winter is coming, I always think, yeah, 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 it's fine. Yeah, 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 it's fine. And then mm-hmm. um, a week, the week after daylight savings, I'm like a shell of a person. I'm completely exhausted. And I'm like cussing and pissed at the sky mm-hmm. of how much I hate daylight savings. So uh, do, do you share that trend or, or have you learned and adjusted? Yeah, you know what? I, I don't know. I think I, I think I do what you do. I, it's like, yeah, whatever. I just, dis, I'm dismissive of it. Um, and I expect also everyone around me, including my children, to be dismissive of it. And that's not really a good uh, psychological <laughs> framework, I don't think. Um, and so I'm, dismi- I'm also dismissive of it. And I also have a bad memory. So I don't remember year to year how I react to it. So it's interesting. I think I, I think I adjust pretty well, but um, I don't, I also think I don't take a, uh, an honest look at the, the degree to which it affects me personally, you know, and then of course, by extension, my family. So this year I'm going to pay more attention. And um, especially after all the reading we've been doing about this to, to treat the whole thing with more respect that it deserves. Mm. More respect. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. Daylight savings has such a hype in the community of parents of like, you know, just like the absolute nightmare. Your kids are going to like lose their mind and they're mm-hmm. going to sleep again. And like, we have to fear it so much. And, um, I, that's never been my experience. Like maybe, you know, they like the kids like had a slightly harder time, probably no different than me, like adjusting to it. But mm-hmm. you know what I think what it represents though is, um, you know, a lot of times people cope by like control, right? Like we feel safety, security, whatever in our routines and the predictability. And when, when you throw a variable at it, it's such an anxiety point for some people of things are not how I anticipated or expected. I feel out of control and, um, you know, kind of flows downward from there. Have you, do you find that too? Yeah. Yes, I do. And I I think that we, we, we just don't, we don't pay this enough attention, which is of course why we want to talk about it. You know, the, the, the days are getting shorter. And I'd, I'd like to start off by saying I like daylight savings time. I do like the longer days, but that's, you know, they call it standard time. We're about to move into standard time, which I think is, uh, I mean, by the sounds of it, that's what we should be on is the standard time. And then there's, <laughs> it's confusing. You know, it is confusing. It's the standard time. But, um, you know, there is a movement, as you know, to make this daylight savings time ongoing to make this the permanent state of things. Um, 
there was an uh, it was telling you about the the proposal that was passed uh, led by Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. And what did I say it was called? The Sunshine Protection Act. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just so funny. Um, the way they name these bills, but uh, yes, permanent daylight savings time. And the people who are, I mean, I would like, if you just asked me like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Right. But then when you talk to people who are experts in sleep and circadian rhythms, and I think it's the American Sleep Society or there's, there's some agency um, that's very much against this because of the, the negative effects it has on our, our functioning, in particular our mental health. So, um, so my, my, my first reaction is, oh, yeah, that'd be great. But then when you dig a little deeper, maybe it's not so great. And that's sort of what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, I don't have a strong opinion either way on it. But, you know, whether or not we have this hour shift or not, uh, the way I see it is we still have to kind of reckon with, um, you know, is it light or dark when we wake up? And, you know, how early in the day does it get dark? And the effect that that has on our mood, our mental health, our routines and schedule. And so, like, even if we took away daylight saving time, we still have to really adjust and adapt to the fact that, you know, we as humans are so impacted by hours of light as as our kind of cues for our routine. Mm -hmm. And right. so as that shifts in kind of the natural course of uh, the year, we have to adapt to that. And when we struggle to adapt to it, we're much more vulnerable to uh, mood episodes or, you know, more isolation and, you know, yeah. all of the things that fall downward from there. So, well, right. And then, and that's, so let's talk about what's happening from a astro astrological perspective <laughs> is that w we live on a rock that goes around the sun and the tilting of the earth. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know the exact nature of, of everything, but we're in the Northern hemisphere. So our days get shorter just as the year goes on. And, you know, you notice that uh, the sun goes down, you know, uh, well, regardless of the daylight savings time issue. But, you know, since we have daylight savings time, the sun goes down around nine o'clock in the peak of summer, you know. And then now, I mean, as of yesterday, it went down at like 730. So that's just the, the, the natural course of moving around this star. Um, and what you're saying and I, I agree with you is that we we don't we have to adjust to that but we don't we don't act that way the school still starts the same time work still starts the same time you know what i mean we don't uh we don't really adjust to that in this in some formal way you know um and i don't know that we could draw it up in our modern world to, sure. to sort of do that yeah. but like that would be some weird circadian rhythm utopia which we'll never reach you know if the school hour changed as the sun you know like that that would be insane and never work but um but maybe maybe that's how we quote unquote should do it uh to 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 respect the circadian rhythm and the impact of 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 sun on our mental health but um but that's pretty aspirational i guess yeah i think in just a more practical way i think it's just adjusting your behavior and mm -hmm. having like good awareness of what your you know, mental, physical needs are, and how do you adjust that as the as the hours of daylight changes? So, right. Um, okay, so so where should we start? Um, how about I give some background on circadian rhythm? Um, and, yeah, you were you mentioning. Know, I think that would be that. That yeah. Be, yeah. So uh, many a couple of years ago, I I when I worked at UPMC, I worked in uh, for a brief time. I worked in a uh, bipolar 
uh, program within the mood and anxiety unit. And we happened to be, because it was an academic medical center, we had this woman, Ellen Frank, who is a top researcher in bipolar disorder. And so part of me working in that clinic is I would have meetings with Ellen Frank and I learned a lot about her research. And um, I, I really, I feel like I've benefited so much as a human, just kind of understanding this stuff. Um, so I, I'll share a little bit of background with it. But basically when we think about mood disorders, depression and bipolar disorder, uh, people that have mood disorders have essentially a more vulnerable body clock. We also, you know, we when we talk about our circadian rhythm, we're, what we're talking about is our body's internal clock. And when you are prone to bipolar disorder or depression, you, you have a much more vulnerable, more fragile body clock. You have to take better care of your body clock and your routines so that your mood can be stable. Um, and now that's to be said, you may not have bipolar disorder. You may never have had an episode of depression right. and you still have an internal body clock. And generally speaking, in a very practical sense, the better job you do taking care of your body and your routine, um, the better you will feel, right? Like we're not, we don't even have to talk about a mood disorder to kind of benefit right. from understanding that how I take care of my body will affect how I feel in my body, will affect how productive I am in my life. But um, so circadian rhythms, one thing that I learned from Ellen Frank that I thought was fascinating is there is circadian tissue in every organ in your body. Hmm. And so your body clock, it is your global biology, your global system. And um, it's your body kind of anticipating a routine. Um, one thing that Ellen Frank always talked about, which I thought was really fascinating, is that, you know, so we have this internal body clock and our body knows. Our body knows, you know, what time it is to go to bed and when we start things, right? We have this, you know, both biology and then just kind of practical behavioral our routine, what we do. We get up in the morning. We brush our teeth, we go to the bathroom, we make our coffee, we mm -hmm. get dressed, and then we, you know, start our day. And, like, there's this natural progression in our body kind of adjusts to that. That's why, you know, a lot of people go to the bathroom first thing in the morning and their body is used to that. And mm -hmm. or, like, you get into, like, rhythms of, like, how how or when you do our most basic function. Um, and so that it is based on both routine and the routine sets your clock. But one thing that she would talk about is she called it a social zeitgeber. And this is a uh, German word. It means time giver. But essentially, it goes back to when we, you know, we lived in, you know, way back when, when we lived in villages. And these mm -hmm. villages had bells. And the bells would signify how we would keep time. And so, you know, you wake up to the bells. And then, you know, the bell rings again. Let's say maybe it rings again at lunch. Or it rings again at lunchtime. And then it sure. rings again, you know, as you... Uh, end your day or whatever and and those bells kind of cued us that it was time to either start or stop something and so she she would always talk about the importance of routines and we need these like zeitgeivers to kind of cue things so you know in her what she would say is that there are five kind of hallmarks of the routine there's your wake time your first contact with another person that's really important because we're hmm. social creatures and so we need to have contact with another person in order to kind of like set the clock to start our day. The next point is um, meaningful activity. And, you know, she would always say, you know, for a lot of people that's work, but it doesn't have to be work for kids. It could be school, but you don't have to work or be in school to have meaningful activity, but you to be your meaningful activity. I'm sorry, I should say, but 
you need meaningful activity. You need to do something industrious to start your day, to kind of cue your brain. It's time to be awake. It's time to do things. It's time to kind of engage mm -hmm. in something. Um, and humans need that. So those are the first three. The second two parts of the routine is um, dinner time, where we kind of come back together. We eat, we have a meal. When we eat is actually a really big part of our routine because our brain needs to kind of anticipate, okay, I will eat again at dinner. Like my stomach is cueing me. That is time for me to do that. And then the last point is bedtime. So I always thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, you had the like the start of your day and then you had the end of your day. And if you think about if you've ever had a period of time where your mood was really low, if you lay in bed all day and you're not getting up, you're not talking to other people, right. you're not starting your day, mm -hmm. you're not eating dinner in a reliable time and you don't even have a reliable bedtime because you're like always in your bed. Um, the, it's going to feel empty. It's going to feel confusing. It's going to feel like what is time? What is life? What is purpose? What is meaning? And you can see how all of those thoughts are actually going to drive more uh, depression. So generally speaking, when we think about daylight savings time, it shifts our internal body clock. And then our internal body clock, because it all gets shifted, can shift all of these routines. Um, uh, let's see. And the, there was one thing that I think that it said that I thought was really interesting. She calls it entrainment, where the, the process in which the internal circadian rhythm clock becomes synchronized to an external environment. So we actually have to train our brain and our sure. body to synchronize with our outside world. And in the process of doing that, it creates that mood stability, it creates that predictability, that routine. I mean, it's funny, as I say this, I think about what it's like to raise children. That's exactly mm -hmm. what you need to do. Think about newborn babies. They say, if you want, if they have their days and nights mixed up, you need to put them in a sunny window. You need to like activate them during the mm -hmm. day. So they mm -hmm. learn when it's light out, we're awake, right? And then at nighttime, if they're awake, you want low stimulation so you can train them hey, it's dark out, we need to be winding down, right? And babies, humans, it, does, it doesn't matter. We all have the same thing. We all have to like learn how to synchronize to the world that we're living in. Um, what were you going to say? You, well, hearing you talk about this, it just, this is so, this is such a complex system. You know, we are an organism, you know, and, it, and when we don't step back and realize that we're a complex organism living on this rock that spins around the earth with the sun and the, you know what I mean? It's and the, the, people have studied this. There's a lot that's been written on it. A lot that we know about it. I had never heard of the German word that you said. What was the German word? Social zeitgeber. Right, and I, I had like never that. Heard, that's fine. Yeah, that. Okay. No, but like, but but just it just it's so it's such a complex system, and we don't treat it that way. I I certainly don't. I mean. And I don't, we live in a culture that doesn't with long work hours and, you know, all nighters mm -hmm. for college students and, or, or whatever it is, or people that work the night shift, that's a whole nother thing or shift work in general. My, my wife works shift work. And so that's, that's really negatively impactful for her sometimes, you know, um, yeah, to adjust definitely. to all that. So um, it just, it just, it's just remarkably complex and we don't treat it that way. And I think that's part of what we want to highlight today is that, that it is a complex system and we need to do get these things into sync, um, our, our schedules, our lives. We need to make our lives sort of sync up a little bit uh, more with the external world um, in a way that we can maintain our mental health, mental and physical health. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, I, well, first of all, I'm so glad that, you know, as a culture, we're talking more and more about mental health. 
But uh, even though we're talking about it, I think, you know, one thing that people can fall into is I'll be fine. It's fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. It's not big deal. You know? Sure. And um, if you think about what the, like the, my example of like, if you lay in bed all day, think about like the downward stream of that will be. Mm -hmm. And just kind of understanding these basics. And it's such a basic thing. Like literally five points of your routine, wake up, contact another human, start your day with something meaningful, eat dinner, wind down for bed. Basic, basic, mm -hmm. basic, basic. But mm -hmm. what happens is, you know, as you say, we get busy and then it's fine. I'm like skip dinner, whatever. I'm going to stay up late. I like, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't really do much today. Okay. Oh, well, you know, and I think that it's just understanding these very basic, basic things can give us a, a simple framework to just how to feel better in our body. And when we feel better in our body and better in our mind, life is more meaningful. Life is not meaningful when you feel like crap. It's just not. Right. Right. You know, and, and, and we should say, if you're able to do these things, if you know, like we know the issues of poverty and, and nu nutritional uh, issues come up with people, you know, I guess poverty is the thing I'm trying to tap into here. Some people don't have the luxury of, you know, having waking up and having, you know, um, you know, sort of a good meal to go to to start out the day or social contact. Just to add that in there, I know that um, those are issues that come up too. Um, there, there are always barriers. I'm glad that you said that. Actually, there are always barriers that will get in the way. One thing that I thought was like, this sounds so simple, sounds so softball, but Ellen Frank would always say this. She'd be like, okay, these are your points of routine. If life gets in the way, you have a crazy week, you know, like you can't eat dinner at home, you know, I don't know, whatever. Like the, like the dinner part is about gathering around the table, eating with mm -hmm. people, slowing down. The process of slowing down is what signifies to your brain. We're now in the like quieter time of the night. I'm preparing for bed, whatever. And she was like, you know, instead of skipping dinner altogether because you're busy or like you ate something at three o'clock or whatever, she'd be like, pack a PB&J. Just mm -hmm. like pack a PB&J and put sure. it in your car and think about settling for less so that you're, you're still getting some piece of that, like mm -hmm. that, that routine marker. And even though you're settling for less, your brain is still signifying, ah, yes, this is part of my day. Mm -hmm. You know, even if you're eating a TV dinner by yourself, right. do it at the table, do mm -hmm. it at the table where you kind of like you're sitting down, you're signifying, okay, it's time to slow down versus mm -hmm. like mindlessly throwing your TV dinner like in your face while you watch sure. Netflix. Um, just this very simple thing. And it sounds like, well, why would I want to do that? Why would I want to like sit alone at the table while mm -hmm. I did that? But mm -hmm. It's the process of our brain needs to learn when to slow down. And right. if you think about, you think about like technology and evolution, like we have so much that we didn't. And we think that because we have so much that our brain can just follow and full adapt. But if we're both, you know, you said that like these very complex systems, but it's also like, we have really basic needs. It's yeah. just slow down. Right. right. Well, and and I, I I talk so much about the importance of routine. It's the least sexy thing to talk about. Um, yeah. And and therapy with people is the routine and rhythm of these things. But I talk about it a lot, you know, and sure. encourage people to, to to get to that place because you know that's just it. We I think our bodies just function so well on just basic routines, and that's what you're what you've been tapping into. Um, uh, 
with an emphasis on the importance of the circadian rhythm uh, as it's our discussion today. But, but yeah, r- routine, it's the, like, it's the least sexiest thing to talk about, but probably the best thing that you could do for your physical and mental health um, if you could achieve it, like we talked about. Um, yeah, and just get creative. Like you'll have barriers and get creative with it. Do less, adapt to it, but try to keep some pace. We need pace. Right. I want to mention something called social rhythm therapies uh, for a bipolar disorder and for depression. Um, I cut this piece out of the article that you sent me, um, and I thought it was interesting, the distinction, because when we treat um, depression, for example, in the cognitive behavioral therapy world, we go to behavioral activation, engage in value-based behaviors. Um, and because the person who is uh, suffering from depression is not engaging in value-based behaviors, they're doing things like sleeping a lot and, you know, not hanging out with their friends, the laundry's piling up and, you know, they're sure. just sort of in debt in all these different ways. Um, and we focus on increasing value-based behaviors uh, and talking about what those values are and in, in, in the treatment. Um, I thought what was interesting about social rhythm therapies is the whole thing, it doesn't even talk about that. The whole thing is based on just getting into these rhythms uh, in the day, like you were discussing before, getting in these patterns. It has nothing to do with like the values or, or anything like that. It's, it's devoid of all that. It's just about the circadian rhythm and getting that in check. Because like you said before, people with bipolar disorder and depression have a vulnerability in their circadian rhythm. They're, 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 um, what's the word you said? Vulnerable, yeah. That's, um, no, it's vulnerable. More fragile vulnerable to it, yeah. body clock. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. no, um, so social rhythm therapy, SRT, that's, that is Ellen Frank's thing. That's, she created this. Um, so when I was talking about the five points, that that's that's the meat of it. So that's hmm. what I actually like about social rhythm therapy because it's so simple. Like it's not a complex thing to learn and understand. Mm-hmm. And it's just about, we want to hit those five points. Um, but to your point of not values-based, if you don't have any amount of like basic routine and mm-hmm. like hallmarks in your day, you can't actually do anything. Right. You know, and right. one thing that I always think as a therapist, when I have somebody who's depressed, like I actually, I love telemedicine for this. I want to see what their home looks like. Because if they got dishes piling up and like their, um, you mm-hmm. know, laundry's piled up and their mm-hmm. home is in disarray, it's, you know what it is? It's the dining room table full of crap that needs mm-hmm. to be sorted and hasn't been put away. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the more you get behind on those things, it has tremendous psychological downward spiral from there. Right. I couldn't agree more, but, but yeah, I, I, I love the, the concept of SRT. Once again, it's the least sexiest thing you could talk about in therapy, but, but Hey, we, we, I will go there and we will talk about those things before we eventually get to blaming everything on your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Right. It's so it's, it's, you're you say it's least sexy, but it, you know what it is? It's, um, it's just, I think it's humbling in a way. To say, like I said, we've evolved so much as a, as a society. You know, we have so much technology and advancement and, and whatever. And just the humility to say, I'm still a human being who needs sleep. And I need to, like, I need to prime the engine so that I can sleep, right? Like, I, you know, when your day starts, you need to get moving. When it's nighttime, you need to slow down. I always think like having kids, I I don't even have dogs. You, I don't know how, by the way, I don't know how you have three kids and two dogs. Like, that sounds insane to me. But my guess right. is you have to tire everybody out. 
right? That is your main goal of the day is to tire everybody out, right? Um, it is. I I always say I have too many kids and too many dogs. Uh, and <laughs> and I mean that at least with the dogs. Um, but no, yeah, to, to, get, to get them tired out for sure. Um, yeah. But then again, I don't have energy for it too. Like if the dog didn't get a walk that day or if I didn't throw the Frisbee for him, he's coming up to me at the end of the day. If I'm in my rhythm, you know, and if the kids are in bed and I'm about to go on the couch, he just doesn't get what he gets. And I, you know, it is what it is. And I'm not going to yeah. you know, beat, beat myself up over that. You know what I mean? Um, something's got to give, but, uh, but yeah. But yeah, that's funny. But like, I don't know. I just, I always think, you know, we talk about kids, we talk about dogs, but like, we're not that different. I have to tire myself out too. And mm-hmm. you have to think about how do you meaningfully tire yourself out? It's mm-hmm. either going to be physically at physical activity or it's going to be mental stimulation mm-hmm. or social stimulation, but it's some sort of stimulation, right? And mm-hmm. you need enough of that mm-hmm. so you can sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that happens with daylight savings time is it gets darker, it gets colder, we get slower. And in mm-hmm. the absence of that stimulation, we do less and then it all falls from there. Right. Or it could. But like, that's the thing you said, it's hum- It's at least it's not sexy to talk about. But you said it's humbling. I also kind of view it as empowering and hopeful yeah. because there's something that we can do about it. Like there's action I could take to get myself on some regular rhythm and respect my circadian uh, makeup and the importance of that. So I kind of like to look at this, the, all those, these discussions aren't, you know, as uh, exciting or whatever. They, they are important and they are, I, I like to view them as empowering because you could do something about them. Yeah. Cause you don't have to feel bad. That's nice. Well, well what do you mean by that? You don't have to, I don't like, you know, suffering's avoidable. Like I don't have to suffer with feeling like garbage because mm-hmm. I'm in a downward spiral. Like yeah. I can correct, I can correct the process here, you know? Now that's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's not like a totally predictable variable, but it's a variable you can impact and understanding the variable and understanding how you can impact it is going to create that better quality of life. Yeah. Cause you said you don't have to feel bad about it. Cause so often I talk to people and they have like, you know, it, it contributes to their low self-esteem that I just can't get this together. Or I just can't do this or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm flawed in some way or I've, you know, this is never going to get better, the cognitive distortions and all that. And when you take, when you, when you sort of say, no, we're going to focus on your sleep and your routine and people are like, wait, what? Yeah, right. Exactly. Something that you can, you could do something about that because it's all out of whack now and that's empowering and they don't have to sort of, you know, uh, feel bad about that. It's like, oh wait, part of my depression, part of my sadness, even if it's not like full blown depression or part of my lethargy or whatever is, uh, is under my control and it's, it's not any sort of negative mark on me as a person. It's just the behaviors that I'm engaging in, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, that's such a great point. I think, you know, like, let's say somebody wants to exercise in the morning or, or have some sort of time for themselves in the morning and then they oversleep. And then, you know, where are your thoughts going to go? Oh God, I can't believe I did it again. And then you're mad at yourself and you've got regret Mm -hmm. and you're beating yourself up or you're feeling hopeless. And, you know, what I would say and just the basic or what SRT would say is, okay, fit it in later. Do do something later mm-hmm. or do less, but fit it in mm-hmm. instead of you suck because you didn't do it. It's like, no, mm-hmm. just do what you can adapt, incorporate mm-hmm. it into your schedule, like rebound, you know, whatever. Sure. Um, so anyway, so sh- let's move on to some, you know, our base, some basic tips for daylight savings time. 
Um, sure. what, what would you say about that? So I pulled this uh, from the internet. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, uh, the internet, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Cleveland Clinic, uh, there's some tips that they uh, come up with, and I, I agree with them. So we'll talk about it today. Is starting a few days early as you're anticipating when this is going to happen, uh, or not anticipating, when you look at the calendar and you know that daylight savings time is coming up to start a little bit early uh, in preparation for it so it doesn't hit you like a ton of bricks. Let's be clear. When is it? Did I say November 7th earlier? Is that what it is? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. The Sunday, the, the 6th. So I guess Saturday the 5th is when we turn over between the, right. that weekend. Right. Yeah. So as we as we get closer to those days, you know, start going to bed a little earlier than you normally would, you know, um, because your body needs that extra time to make up for that lost hour, you know. And uh, so if you just, just sort of shave off a little bit, and that's, that is something that I've done with my kids before, you know. Oh, you have? Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll go to bed a little bit earlier. Go to bed, I guess it's later. Go a little bit, a little bit later in the springtime when we jump ahead. <laughs> but that is something that's been helpful. Yeah, well, I will just say about that. I don't, I don't know. You're, you might be better at this than me. I'm not, I'm not great about having like a set bedtime. Um, and I more just like, wait till I get tired. I, you know, I usually I'd say fall asleep between like 10 and 1130, but like, that's a pretty wide range. And so knowing that and looking at this as kind of like a tip here, I would say, you know, it's okay if that's where you are, but, um, knowing that this is coming might be just create a little more intention around that time. Even if it's something that you're usually a little more laid back around, um, you don't have to create like a whole new life here. It's just like have that awareness and adapt accordingly. Um, right, but, I, but but before you go, I think it should be said though, basic sleep hygiene says to go to bed at the same time every night, wake up at the same time every day in the morning. I think most people are probably better at waking up at the same time every day because of work and school obligations. Now, and the nighttime is where things get hairy. You know, sometimes I want to stay up. I want to watch a show. I want to scroll on my whatever, phone or yeah. whatever. You Big know, games and, on, <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. The game's on. And, and you know, any sleep hygiene study you look at or, or, or tip sheet is going to say same time every day. That's every night is probably hard. You know, on the weekends, people switch things up a little bit, too. Um, but to the degree that you can, same time every night, same time every morning. And uh, I, th I told you off air that I had I started to run in the morning now to prepare for that so I can have that be a thing I continue to do. I really have tightened up my bedtime and I like to stay up. I do not like to go to sleep. I like to stay up and not, you know, maybe till like 11 o'clock or something, not, not something crazy, but I'm in bed by 1030 on the nose every night. Well, 1045, but, um, <laughs> you know, okay. So, um, what about sticking to your schedule? We talked about this before eating, um, social, like you mentioned before bed and exercise times, um, exposing yourself to bright light in the morning uh, will also help you adjust. And there are alarm clocks now that are based on this whole premise that they wake you up with mm -hmm. light that slowly kind of rises like the sunrise. My wife has one. It's pretty cool. Um, so sp start preparing a few days early, stick to your schedule. Don't take long naps is <clears throat> the third tip. This is mm -hmm. a really big deal. Um, when people take naps, I'm always amazed that they'll go like an hour or two hour naps. Now, I'm not a napper. I think that you said that you are. Uh, uh, there's no. I'm judgment. a power napper. 
Power yeah. <laughs> napper. Okay. So power napper. Now, what does that mean for you? How long are you taking that? What does that mean a power nap for you? How long? Less than 30 minutes, but actually, you know what I'll do is I'll set a timer for like seven minutes hmm. and I'll just like close my eyes for seven minutes and hmm. maybe, you know, the timer will go off and maybe I'll, I'll snooze it again. So maybe it's like max, like 15 minutes. Sure. But if I'm really tired, like that's the most I'll do. But um, yeah, there's a whole science to that. I mean, the the general hallmark I give around that would be before 3 p.m. and no longer than 30 minutes because I always, uh, yeah. then then you're getting into like your deeper phase of sleep and yep. you, you're going to use up the sleep drive you need to get to actually fall asleep at night. So I don't think naps are problematic as long as you're using it to kind of like rest and recharge as opposed to using it to get like a big chunk of sleep. Now, is there anything like they're really, there's a reason people like them. There's a reason people like Mm. long naps and they're alluring. And, you know, I don't never say never, but like generally speaking, know the rule of thumb and adapt to it. And especially this time of year, you definitely don't want to fall into a long nap. Right, exactly. So this is just general advice on the napping thing, but I, the advice you give is the same I give, uh, and it's based off of every article I've ever read about sleep uh, and sleep mm-hmm. hygiene. It's about about twenty to thirty minutes, no more than that, and then go. And I've done it before a long time ago, but I, I've, I've taken like long naps, and you wake up and you're like, "Oh my god, what time is what it? Is Where life? am I? What, what is What's life?" Happening? Right. You know, you're totally is it day lost. or night. <laughs> right. Because you, because you're, you're in like stage three or, or some REM sleep pattern that, you know, um, so you've tricked yeah. your body into thinking it's night. It's a big problem, obviously. So don't take long naps. That's a general tip, but especially around this time. And then finally avoid coffee and alcohol. I don't know if we have to totally avoid I mean, coffee. I'll, I'll, or I'm not giving up coffee. <laughs> I, I'm just not. So no. <laughs> All right. 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 I mean, you know, I, I think if you keep it reasonable, you know, and if you don't drink coffee after a certain period of a certain yeah. time of the day, of course. Um, and then yeah. alcohol is tricky because people like to have a glass of wine at the end of the day or they like to have a couple of beers or whatever. Um, when you do that, that definitely hastens sleep. You know, you'll you'll fall asleep pretty quickly. Uh, but the quality of sleep that you get is not good. It's much it, worse. Yeah. yeah, it's much much worse. And, pe- and anybody that's ever had alcohol can tell you that, that nobody wakes up from a good night of drinking, you know, to- totally refreshed in the morning. But you do not. fall asleep quick. You sure do. Uh, it's just not. <laughs> yeah, that is just, that's a good point, right? Um, yeah, you know, I think I, you know, really when I think about circadian rhythm and you know understanding this stuff, it's just about being able to read your body. And know what you need. I'm feeling really low. I need to get myself up. I'm Mm -hmm. feeling really high, really anxious, really wound up. I need to slow myself down. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, if you drink too much coffee, if if you have any amount of body awareness, you're going to know this was too much. Mm -hmm. Right. If you're drinking too much alcohol, you're going to know that you feel like crap. Hey, I got to wind that back. And really just being able to read your body and course correct, it, that's really all it is. To right. just know I'm, I'm a little too low. I need to get moving. I need some stimulation, mm. I'm, you know, and, and then vice versa. So I think it, that's really like that's the secret sauce is just taking a minute, mindfully seeing how am I doing and what do I need. That's so let's, com- let's commit to not just yeah, 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 ing. 
the the change uh, of time with daylight savings time back to standard time. And let's know let let's let's pay a little bit more attention to our circadian rhythms, the complex nature of this, and give it the respect that it deserves. Uh, we'll tighten up our habits a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. I guess the yeah, I guess the last thing that I would say is just that if you follow what your body wants, it can get you in a lot of trouble. And that's true for many, many, many things in life. Hmm. Right. And January might come and it's going to be cold and miserable and dark. And you're going to be like, I don't feel like doing anything. And maybe you don't. And life's going to feel pretty boring, dull, you know, whatever. And know that I don't feel like doing something, being social, whatever, exercising, whatever it is. And I probably need to. Hmm. And just having that awareness to say what I want to do is not always what's best for me. And mm-hmm. so if I want to feel better, I have to keep that long game in mind as opposed to the short game. Yep. We're playing for the long game. That's a good way to say it. Playing for the long game. All right. Cool, man. All right, Lauren. Later. And, and next time we talk uh, for Daylight Savings Week, we'll probably both be complaining about how tired we are. And that's okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All, All right. right. See you. See you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Credit to our theme music to my brother, Andrew McLean. Please subscribe, leave a review, and tell us what you think. All opinions are our own.